to Fantastic History. I'm Sarah. And I'm Clay. We're a husband and wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. This week, we're back with part two of the Bridgewater Triangle, so let's go ahead and get that Neil Diamond fanfare going. And hopefully you heard it if I did my job. (laughs) So in my last episode, I covered Puckwudgies a UFO sighting, and mysterious or paranormal activity that was specific to rock formations throughout the Bridgewater Triangle. Um, This week, I'm going to talk mostly about all the freaky stuff that happens in the Hockamock Swamp, and then we're going to close out with a little true crime. Ooh, exciting. Yeah. So just to give you an idea of what you're in for this episode, uh, let me start by saying that Hockamock is an Algonquin word meaning place where the spirits dwell. Okay. So this was originally meant to refer to the fact that the area was a sacred burial ground, but it's taken on a much more ominous meaning over the last few centuries. Let's just say people have experienced weird stuff here for a long time, even before Whitey showed up. Hmm. Let's get all the mundane stuff out of the way first. So the Hockamock Swamp is nearly 17,000 acres of wetland in the upper portion of the Bridgewater Triangle in the towns of Bridgewater, West Bridgewater, Easton, Norton, Raynham, and Taunton. It's thought to be the remnant of a giant glacier, actually. that was I think it was something like 2,500 years ago this glacier started to melt and it created the swamp. Interesting. The wetlands provide an enormous water reservoir, with three public water supply wells being located inside the swamp. There are a few recreational areas that are open to the public, which are maintained by the Hockamock Swamp Wildlife Management Area, and they're popular for hunting, fishing, boating, canoeing, swimming, and checking out the wildlife. So that's why you get so many reports of crazy things happening, because a lot of people spend a lot of time here. Okay. So the area is is huge, like parts of it are highly trafficked, but about 12,000 acres of the swamp are undeveloped and totally off limits. So just about anything could be out there. The vast majority of it is not accessible. Okay. If I had to pinpoint one single person as the expert on all things Hockamock, it would be Joseph DeAndrade who founded the Bridgewater Triangle Expedition Team in 1985 and the Paranormal Investigation Organization in 1992. He has done thousands and thousands of hours of research. In a report dated February 2, 1989, he had this to say, For thousands of years, local Native Americans have recognized the very extraordinary reputation of this swamp, and their history is filled with its lore. For them, the swamp has been especially sacred and sometimes extremely dangerous. Several years ago, an expedition of Massachusetts archaeologists discovered an 8,000-year-old native burial site on Grassy Island in this swamp. It's reported that when the graves were opened, the red ochre within the tombs bubbled and mysteriously dissolved, and every photo taken of the site failed to develop. The natives have named this swamp the Devil's Swamp and the place where spirits dwell. It's been said that many who have ventured deep in the swamp have never returned. Many people have claimed to hear and see some very strange things in this swamp. Some have actually claimed to see a huge black dog with red eyes, a huge black panther, 
huge black snake as wide as a stovepipe, a prehistoric looking black bird about seven feet tall with an eight to 12 foot wingspan, plus many types of UFOs. But Bigfoot has been seen most often. Oh, man. Some people have insisted that they're sure that satanic activity has and is still occurring deep in the swamp by evil people. Some have also claimed to hear horrifying screams of pain from deep in the swamp that sounded very human to them. So swamps do seem to attract a lot of spooky attention. Oh, yeah. And um, whether or not one believes in it or not, mm-hmm. um, it certainly is a place where a lot of mysterious things... I mean, there's lots of animals. Oh, yeah. There's lots of gases yep. and and stuff. There's lots of things that, and, and and a lot of animals in there that just make weird noises too. Oh sure. So there's there's, and and you said a lot of this is like not really accessible. The vast majority of it. So twelve thousand of the seventeen thousand acres are not open to the public. And a lot of what these people are seeing are animals. Yeah, like giant dogs with red eyes. I mean, some of these I'll cover. You know, I'll give you a little bit more information later, but like. Huge dogs with red eyes, huge panthers, like things that are not native to the area. Um, A snake that's as big around as a stovepipe, which is like, you know, at least 12 inches in diameter. Like that's a big ass snake. Like, right. Just, yeah. Things that shouldn't exist. It's interesting. Yeah. So there's needless to say, there's a lot going on. There's a couple of things I want to get out of the way up front when it comes to that report. Now, granted, it's from 1989. It's a different time. But first of all, the thing about the Native American graves having some sort of paranormal booby trap on them feels a little racist to me. Yeah, it's it's the same thing as the Egyptian. It's like yeah. we, we, we take other cultures... Um, burial traditions religious traditions and make them spooky right and like it's getting into an indian burial ground cause poltergeist territory right Mm -hmm. which is obviously not cool but it's also not very surprising for that time period for people to have believed something like that i would say most time periods (laughs) yeah unfortunately Uh, the other thing is for those who don't know i want to do a quick explainer here on satanism Because this also stinks of the satanic panic. Yeah. 1989. Actual Satanists, as in members of the satanic church, do not worship Satan because they are not Christians. And Satan is a Bible character. Sorry to drop a truth bomb on you guys, but that's just a fact. Uh, People who practice Satanism are usually atheistic or agnostic, and their focus is on providing equal rights and representation for anyone who is not a Christian. Now, are there people who practice devil worship? Sure. Every high school has its share of edgelord dweebs, but those kids are not Satanists. So when this guy talks about Satanic activity, Satanists, Satan, Satan worship, like bullshit. And while we're on the subject, pentagrams and pinnacles are not signs of devil worship or Satanism. They're a symbol of like pretty much any pagan faith. And pagan does not mean witchcraft. Pagan straight up means being a religious or spiritual person who doesn't subscribe to any of the major world religions. It's like that is something that pisses me off that like people are like, oh, my God, there were mutilated animals and pentagrams everywhere. These people worship the devil. No, those are just like 
high school kids trying to one up each other. Like you don't worship Satan and wear a pinnacle or a pentagram. Those two things have absolutely no crossover in the Venn diagram of religion. So just want to get that out there because that shit bothers me. Uh, Thank you for coming to my TED talk. (laughs) Back to the swamp. So let's take a closer look at some of DeAndre's other claims, starting with the man of the hour, Bigfoot. You know him, you love him, you probably picture him living in the Pacific Northwest. But there have been hundreds of reported Bigfoot sightings in the Hockamock Swamp. So I'm going to say Bigfoot is East Coast, Sasquatch is West Coast. Okay. Separate but equal, you know. And yet, and Yeti is... Yeti is like cold temperatures. Yeah. Like, think of the guy from Monsters, Inc., the historical um, documentary, Monsters, Monsters Inc. Monsters, Inc., yeah. Yes. He lives in the Himalayas, to be specific. Yes, yeah. And he makes lemon snow cones. <laughs> yes. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and so, Bigfoot sightings are like, that's like the number one most reported unusual sighting in the whole of the Bridgewater Triangle. Not just the swamp, but the whole triangle, the thing people see the most, more than UFOs, puck wedgies, ghosts even, is Bigfoot. Everybody's seeing this guy around. One relatively credible source states that over a 48-hour period in 1970, local and state police and their canine units conducted a massive search of the Bridgewater portion of the Hockamock Swamp in search of a bear-like creature, although there are no bears native to that area. Okay, so then why were they out there on a bear hunt? Well, because numerous residents had reported seeing a hairy, seven-foot-tall creature scrounging through the woods on their property, and there was a series of animal mutilations in its wake. Mm, Well, that could just be Dave, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, back in the 70s, people were hairier. (laughs) <laughs> overall right i think they were just prouder of showing off their hair i don't know if i mean seven foot tall though is maybe that is pretty big that is unusual for the 70s basketball players weren't even seven feet tall back well then, hey i don't think well wait a minute hang on platform shoots true that's a good point well okay so we can't rule out dave with his long hair and platform shoes but i can tell you they never found a bear and they never found paw prints from a bear Okay. At any of the places where these sightings took place. So no no evidence of a bear. Right. Which is the most likely candidate for what I have described. Yeah. Now, Joseph DeAndre himself encountered Bigfoot in the swamp just a few years later in 1978. Afterward, he recalled, something in my mind told me, turn around and you will see. I saw what I will never forget for the rest of my life. It was 200 feet away, and it was walking slowly, like Frankenstein, into the brush. I didn't see its face because it was walking facing the opposite direction. It makes me think I'm lucky to be alive. In the Hockamock Swamp, anything is possible. (laughs) Oh, man. And that's basically DeAndre's origin story, like how it became his life's work to investigate the swamp and to share his findings with the world. Because he's just out there vibing and he sees like freaking Bigfoot. That's crazy. When did he see this? 1978. 1978. Okay. Yeah. In an article published by the Capeway News a decade later, DeAndre says, I spoke to a random police officer who actually claimed to see a tall, furry, man-like creature run into the woods near the random dog track area. 
Huge 18-inch tracks were found in the snow south of that town. So he goes on to describe an encounter his own sister had in Taunton when she spotted a, quote, tall bear-like animal standing upright eating a pumpkin in someone's garden. (laughs) Which, I'm sorry, is adorable? That's just cute to me? I don't know. But she said that when it turned toward her, it had reddish-orange eyes. Oh. Another witness to the same event also described the creature's eyes as being reddish orange, which I don't mean to body shame Bigfoot, but I don't like that. Well, it kind of goes along with a lot of the um, cryptids. Oh, sure. Yeah. Hear. They red all eyes. have red eyes. Reddish orange, though, setting himself apart. They're all eating. Well, they're not all eating pumpkins. Few of them that I, I can think of, like the Pukwudgies weren't eating pumpkins. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you know more than I do. Doubt it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another article that was written by Peter Rodman and Lauren Coleman for Boston Magazine in 1980 said, there were several reports of a large hairy creature walking upright in other places in the Bridgewater vicinity. Farmers reported killed and mutilated pigs and sheep. A Bridgewater resident complained to police that a large hairy creature walking upright was thrashing about in the backyards and woods of their neighborhood. Police investigated several times. One officer, lying in wait in his patrol car, reported that, entirely without warning, something picked up the rear of his car. When the policeman spun the car around and flashed his searchlight, he saw something that looked like a huge, upright bear running away between the houses. Several residents on separate occasions reported seeing a tall, furry, man-like creature in the Elm Street, Bridge Street area of Raynham. Now, it's worth mentioning that Lauren Coleman is another super mega expert on the Bridgewater Triangle and is actually the dude who named it the Bridgewater Triangle in the first place back in the 70s. Oh, okay. So I wanted to bring up that story specifically because not only were these reports taken seriously and investigated by the police, and not only did an officer have this wild experience himself, but I also would be remiss if I left out like part of the story that was recreated to perfection in the beloved film suburban sasquatch i was just thinking about suburban sasquatch oh i know you can't like a sasquatch picking up the back of a police car you're gonna think a suburban sasquatch right do the listeners need to know oh i think you should suburban sasquatch is a film (laughs) um it's it's a it's a terrible movie so bad um direct to dvd <laughs> um and super low quality and it's about a suburban it's, a, it's about a sasquatch who attacks suburbia mm-hmm. and um he's magical yeah um but we don't need to spend a lot of time on that i i will say um if i can find a link to the specific scene we're talking about i do think we should post the link in the show notes just so that you can see the incredible effects okay um Sure. On that fully two-dimensional car. <laughs> I got to tell you, when thinking about that, uh-huh. it makes you a little less uh, scared. <laughs> yes, it does. So Ken Moore, uh, former chairman of the Bridgewater Historical Commission, so another like pretty official guy, is another believer in this particular legend. When interviewed about the various phenomena in Hockamock Swamp in the early 1990s, he replied, I wouldn't go near that place in a million years. They've got snakes as big as stovepipes, giant birds, and Bigfoot. Nah, I don't go near there. 
That was a fantastic accent. It was my worst ever, I think. No, it was so good. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm sure when Melanie listens to the episode, she will write to me and be like, we're done. We're not friends anymore. Um, and then we'll know that it was bad. <laughs> so you guys don't have to let me know. Melanie will let me know. Um, don't Don't worry too much about that. Another cryptid that's been spotted many times in the swamp is the Thunderbird. Oh, yeah. So there's just a long history with stories and myths of Thunderbirds being common to almost every indigenous tribe in North America, going back for hundreds, if not thousands of years. These giant birds, capable of blocking out the sky with their huge wings, causing violent storms by shooting lightning from their eyes, and carrying off human children in their massive talons, have been depicted on totem poles and in cave paintings. And their legend persists to this day, with sightings reported in all 48 continental states of America. Hmm. They're usually described as looking like vultures or condors, with dark feathers along their body, a lighter colored head, and like a, a collar almost of white feathers. According to the Yankee Express back in 1971, Police Sergeant Thomas Downey was driving home when he noticed a giant bird-like creature standing on the edge of the road beside the swamp. He reported it being at least six feet tall with a 12-foot wingspan. It sort of waddled toward the car at first, but then I guess decided like something spooked it because it launched itself straight into the air. As in like straight up like a helicopter. Wow. Yeah. Which I don't think is something that birds can normally do. Normally not. Straight straight up like that? Normally not. Yeah. Sergeant Downey was not messing around and called for backup. When the other officer arrived, they found some massive three-toed footprints in the area where the creature was spotted, but no other evidence like a giant, like, big bird-style nest or whatever. (laughs) Okay. In 1988, two boys came across some similar three-toed footprints in the swamp and decided to follow them. Mistake number one. If this episode teaches you nothing else, guys, you should not ever follow mysterious footprints anywhere towards anything. Yeah. And especially not into a haunted swamp. Eventually, the prince led them to a massive black bird, which they described as being the size of a man with an almost human-like face. They were lucky in that when the bird spotted them, it took off, going straight up in the air like the one Sergeant Downey spotted 17 years prior. And that time gap is worth noting because these boys were younger than 17. So they wouldn't have been around to hear that very similar report being made back in the early 70s. Right. As for the other mysterious animal sightings, I couldn't find a ton of information. Uh, The black dog with red eyes, for example, I could only find one proper mention of it, which explained that someone driving along a road near the swamp in the middle of the night had a huge black dog with glowing red eyes run out into the road in front of them. Mm. They slammed on their brakes and didn't end up hitting anything, although with as close as the dog was and as fast as they were going, they should not have had time to stop. Get out of the car. There's nothing there. Yeah. Then for the black snake that's as big around as a stovepipe, I mean, needless to say, that's not the sort of snake that's native to New England. Um, so you'd think there'd be like a lot of information about it because it'd be pretty easy to like just Google that and you you get a lot of stories about it. But uh, not so much. The only additional piece of information I could find outside of the initial description by Joseph DeAndrade was a source that mentioned the snake only appears every seven years. <laughs> okay right 
Yeah, it's a cicada snake. Sure, yeah. So I'm sure for a lot of our listeners, it's just as well that I'm not about to go into a lot of detail about a giant snake, but I was disappointed not to have at least a little bit more information about it. Yeah. Bummer. So I want to wrap up by talking about a couple of things that have happened within the Bridgewater Triangle that are undisputed facts, because I'm sure we have at least a couple of people listening who are like you, Clay, and they aren't as prone to believing in the supernatural. They probably are. Like... First of all, boring. <laughs> um, whatever. Nerds enjoy your science, I guess. Uh, so Gladly. This a- <laughs> so this area has some like wild energy that either attracts weird stuff or makes people imagine weird stuff. So whatever you believe, like something funny's going on. Whether it's something kind of weird and more like metaphysical, cryptid, alien, whatever, or if it's just like mass hallucinations going on in a specific area for some reason right sometimes that manifests in really gruesome ways so one example of this takes us back to episode 35 of this podcast the story of lizzie borden oh because yep the town of fall river lies within the parameters of the bridgewater triangle There are a lot of people who believe that the spooky ookiness of the triangle is what drove Lizzie to be so incredibly brutal in her attacks. So if you've listened to that episode or even just seen pictures from the crime scene, there's really no denying that there was quite a lot of overkill involved. Yeah. She didn't need to go that hard, but she did. Lastly, there's the now abandoned Taunton State Hospital. Built in 1853, it was originally called the State Lunatic Hospital at Taunton, with the intention of relieving the overcrowding at the state's only other mental health facility. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time here because based on the name alone and the year it was built, you kind of already know that some truly horrific nightmare fuel stuff went down here. Yeah. A few reasons why people were committed to the Taunton State Hospital include anxiety and depression. Okay. Uh, being considered promiscuous, Hmm. senility and dementia, being wild and unruly, whatever that means, (laughs) being a child or senior that your family didn't want to look after, being outspoken or having unusual religious or political views, not getting along with your family, being a member of the LGBTQ plus community, being an assertive woman, not being manly enough, hyperactivity, having birth defects of any kind, syphilis, speaking a language other than English, or otherwise being considered a troublesome immigrant, which mostly referred to Irish people at the time, and being socially awkward or antisocial altogether. So yeah, both of us and our kid would have ended up here, which is not cool, but I guess at least we would have been together. It sounds like just about anyone could end up there. Yeah. If you could just find the right... You catch him at the at the wrong moment. You're yeah. You're going. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps the most famous patient was Jane Toppin. And wowie wow was this lady a piece of work. There were tons of people in this hospital who didn't need to be there, obviously. But she most certainly did. Jolly Jane was a nurse whose killing spree ran from 1895 to 1901, during which time she poisoned over 100 people. 12 murders were confirmed to have been committed by her, though she took credit for 31 and is famous for saying she wanted to, quote, have killed more people, 
helpless people than any other man or woman who ever lived. Well, uh huh. She was insistent at trial that she should be found sane and sentenced to prison because she knew exactly what she was doing every time she killed someone. And she did it with the full knowledge that it was wrong. And that's pretty much always been the general basis of the insanity defense, right? Well, sucks to be her because she was committed to life in Taunton State Hospital in 1902 at the age of 48. And she stayed there until her death 36 years later. Just another brick in the wall of the batshit crazy Bridgewater Triangle. Well, thanks for tuning in and spending a little bit of time with us today. Hopefully you've enjoyed your first taste of spooky season. And if you did, please take a second to leave a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you're using. You can find us on Instagram and threads at Fantastic HPod. And you can also send us an email at FantasticHistoryPod at gmail.com if you know of any spooky, scary tales you'd like me to cover over the next couple months. Until next time. Bye.